Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy, H2O, your potential conditioner, and welcome back to another edition of the New Balance Podcast. As you can see, I'm squatted up. Listen, don't start none, won't be none. I am in the building with my team, and I don't want to waste any time. New Balance Podcast, put your hands together for our bonus footage of our podcast that we've been doing. My mind playing tricks on us, on me, um, factors that affect our mental health. Give it up for Dr. Stacy Page. Give it up for Naisa Harrison. And give it up for our new guest on today, Miss Arnie Stern. What up, ladies? What up, what up, what up? Hey. Oh my hey, God. Hey, I'm is, here for it. I'm here for it. Let's do this. Let's do this. Oh, I love it. I got, listen, I, man, listen. I, y'all should feel the energy already. I'm so, so hyped and so excited about this. Um, everybody knows we've been doing this um, series uh, for the whole month of April. Uh, I'm sorry, the whole month of March. I'm getting ahead of myself. The whole month of March. And I want you to know if I, hasn't, if I haven't physically spoken to you or you haven't um, touched me physically, I want you to know I've seen all of your comments I've heard, I got the DMs, text messages, phone calls, and we hear the heart of the families and the cries. That's why we did this. And so because of it, we decided that we want to get on and give you two bonus episodes. So give it up for my team. They agreed to it. So y'all need to show them some love for the two bonus episodes of this mental health podcast. So I'm really, really excited today. And um, we're going to dive right in. Um we have Miss Arnice on, and um, you guys have been, uh, I guess, let me see. Man, I'm, I'm scared to say this, Arnice, because then that means they're going to be able to put the day stamp on me, but I don't care. I don't care. I've been knowing Arnice. We go back to when we were, what, maybe? Do it. Do it. 11? Well, <laughs> Maybe I think it was earlier than that. It was earlier. Don't tell her. Okay, it was <laughs> earlier. Nine, eight, yeah, nine. Oh, like yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, nine, nine. Okay, nine. I man, whatever. I ain't scared. We've been knowing since nine, nine. So, um, our families know each other. We grew up not only in the same. We grew up in the same uh, town. Um, we rode the same school bus. We went to the same school. So I've been knowing her forever. Her family, her, her brother and I, we were like best, we're like BFFs, you know, the whole hangout school, hang out at his house. We play sports, all of that, all of that. So um, our lives go way, way back. And uh, I've been knowing this young lady for a long time. But, you know, when you grow up, um, everybody lives, they take different um, directions. They go in different directions and rightfully so. It's about learning, growing, um, all those things we talked about growing up, things we were taught. We go out in the world and we go and be a part of those things. And this young lady here at the bottom uh, left of my screen, man, she has an incredible life. So I really want to kind of start um, just bringing the people up to speed with who you are, what you do in life, um, our niece, and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, uh, my name is Arnice. I um, I'm from Palestine, Texas. More specifically, I'm from a real small country town called Tucker, Texas. Come on. Come on. <laughs> and, um, and I'm proud of that fact. Absolutely. Um, I, um, as far as with growing up, um, we, I grew up in a, we were poor. 
And I'm not going to pretend that we weren't poor. We were poor. I know what the projects is. We lived in the projects of Palestine. And as a country girl, we did the, when when we moved to the country part of it, we lived like poor country folk. And, um, and, but in doing that, we also did, we were raised with a lot of uh, good values and um, love, of course. Um, During that process of growing up, um, I had some challenges and struggles and, um, I grew up in a family with a lot of hidden domestic violence. Mm. And I grew up in a household um, with lots of addictions as it related to um, drugs and alcohol. Mm. And um, as I continued to evolve and when I graduated, um, actually my freshman year in college, my mom was stabbed to to death by my stepfather. So that Mm. was a trauma for me. And rather than me coping with that trauma, I went back to school like it never even happened and kept going in mm-hmm. my life. So along the way, I had some other losses, but I also had a lot of successes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I like to share the successes part of it is because I really want everybody to understand that it does not matter what your tax bracket is, right. what your academic status is, what your family lineage is, right. um, mental health and mental illness can happen to us all and it can fit in all of those um, areas. Mental illness does not discriminate against anyone. Right. And um, having said that, I, um, I did go on to graduate from college. In fact, I'm, I'll be receiving my doctorate degree this July, as a matter of fact. So let's go. Let's that. go. Yay. And, let's go. Uh, I, yeah, I want one of them. I want a doctor. I want a doctorate. I want one. <laughs> Just apply yourself. Anybody can get it. Just apply yourself. Okay, all right. Thank you for that vote of confidence. I appreciate it. Thank you. And um, I did have the opportunity to, after graduating, um, to my career, I graduated as a registered nurse originally. When I got my master's degree, I went to the business end of healthcare. And on the business end, that administrative end, I went into executive levels and had the opportunity to work with organizations all over the country and um, in several continents, as far as helping them to get their um, health care um, to a higher standard. So um, I've worked in every, I've worked or collaborated in every state in the United States except for, and um, had the opportunity to collaborate on facilities in other countries. And again, um, all of the successes that society would say that you have as success as far as um, monies and all those things. Um, God has been very good and gracious to me in that way. But the point of it all is all those things don't matter when it comes to mental illness and mental health. And I want to make sure that people understand that when they talk about the stigma of it, because I myself struggle with mental illness and I want, you know, I want that to be clear and I want Mm. um, people to not feel ashamed and attach that stigma to it. Um, because what many what's not discussed often is the fact that there is a direct association and correlation actually between genius and mental health. So when yeah. you're trying to st- attach that stigma, just be mindful of that person that you're attaching that stigma to. They really might be a genius in disguise. Absolutely. So thank you for the opportunity to be here. We'll talk more, but I'm just grateful to be able to be on with such a dynamic team. I've had the opportunity. Absolutely. To- look at you guys' work and um, I'm just blessed and excited and thank you for the opportunity to be here. So let's do this. That was wonderful. Thank you so much for, for giving us that information and insight. And it, it takes us right into, I want to do just a very quick review 
for those watching, if you if you didn't see episodes one through four, go back, watch it, get your coffee, get your roll, get your good pair of headphones, chill out on the backyard and let the podcast be a blessing to you. But Arnie said a couple of things and she touched everything that we've been talking about. So, so just in recap, we talked about what family breakup or a loss. Mm-hmm. We talked about difficult behavior. We talked about physical ill health. We also talked about abuse and trauma and some of those things she touched just about each and every one of those. And what I, the reason why I wanted our niece to share some of it, we'll have her talk a little more about some of the, the things that she's done in life. I want you to see that even though you go through these things in life and they are, trust me, they are heart wrenching, they hurt. And some of them are very horrible. I want you to know that that doesn't give you an excuse not to still go and be and do what God has attached to your life to do, right? Now, I do understand that there are those of us sometimes who just struggle to get over, and I get it. That's why we have this, and we're going to help you. But somebody that is watching today, you may have experienced some of the same things or needs or even worse, right? Even if it wasn't those things, my point is this. You have to find a way to navigate through the pain. So today we're going to talk about navigating through the pain, right? And I think um, your life, Arnise, is a picture of that. So what I want to do now is I want to go to our our panelists, our mental health professional, Naila and Dr. Page, just based off of uh, what Arnise shared, just give me some diagnosis of what you see in your field and when you're dealing uh, with families or individuals um, when you're coaching or helping people? So hello, everybody. So in my field, which I am clinical, so we do do everything. So we do from assessment to diagnosis to treatment. So based on what our niece told us, with a lot of my clients, I've actually seen everything from anxiety, to depression, to bipolar disorder, to schizophrenia, to PTSD. And so pretty much it can run the gamut between any of those disorders. And so one thing she did mention, she talked about mental illness and mental health affecting anybody, and it does. So there is not a certain demographic. You know, it touches men and women, boys and girls. It touches all ages. I mean, from children's adolescence to adults, and that's all phases of adulthood, whether it's young adulthood, whether it's mid-adulthood, you know, those later years. When it comes to socioeconomic status, we see it in all, whether it's, you know, people that are at the lower end of that, people that are maybe middle income, or the people that have a lot of money that we're like, oh, they have a lot of money, everything's fine. But they Mm -hmm. deal, of course, with mental health issues too and mental illness. And then even when it just, you break it down to even the races, It's everybody. It's African-Americans. It's Caucasians. Excuse me. It's Indians. It's Latinos. It is everybody. So there is not one specific group that we can just say, oh, they're the only group, you know, that has mental illness, you know, not one gender or, you know, anything like that. It does run the gamut over everybody. Thank you. Um, Thank you, Dr. Page. And what I want to say first, Ms. Arnisa, is thank you for being willing to share that on this platform. Wow, because that's, that's a lot of information and it's it's heavy. It and I, I remember when 
when Harry mentioned that we were going to be meeting with somebody and he knew who was going to be for who, I got excited when you started telling us a little bit about your story because I work with domestic violence. I'm a survivor myself and being in the mental health field and just, he knows our stories. But um, the first thing I thought about is when you were a child, because a lot of times when children experience these things, like your mom was stabbed to death by your stepdad, I'm sure he helped raise you. So it's like you lost your mom and your stepdad at the same time. So I started thinking about children who experienced these things and how it could have negatively impacted you growing up as a child. So you have anxiety growing up as a child, not knowing what to do with what happened, not knowing how to express it emotionally, um, how to talk about it. You maybe not even had someone to talk to about those kind of situations if you've experienced something like that. And then I think about the depression setting in and not knowing how to grieve or what grief even looks like, right? I think about you choosing to persevere and continue in spite of. You chose yes. not to be a victim of circumstance. And this type of example, it allows you to be as a woman today. And I just think it's amazing. It's astounding to me. And it's like confirmation to everyone that you don't have to be a victim of circumstance and that you may go through this. You may suffer from depression. You may suffer from anxiety. Um, those things are treatable with counseling and medication where applicable. Oh, wow. Good. Um, I, I want to I wanna play, if you will, devil's advocate. I kind of want to poke at our niece, um, and talk a little bit about her story and just kind of poke holes in some of the things that she said, because from my perspective and what I've experienced, you know, dealing with mental health and, and people who I have the opportunity to share my life with and vice versa, the number one thing that comes up over and over and over, especially for men, I hear excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. And the reason I can talk about this because I was that guy, right? I gave every excuse um, there was. I even made up excuses because I just didn't want to face the pain of all of those things. But we just heard here, here's a living um, witness. Here's a living example of despite all of those things, the ability to press through, find a way and still achieve. Now, um, in, in my opinion, I think, you know, when you look at it and they're obviously they're different, um, definitions of what rich is. Right. And we know what some of those definitions are, but if I just really had to say, um, meeting somebody that was rich, I would say, Arnise, you are rich in character to be able to go through those things and then achieve what you've done and what you're doing now, despite all of those things. Right. So I want to just say that. So one, one of the things, watch you who are listening to us, you who are watching, you have to take those excuses and you have to stop sitting on them and you have to face them. That's, that's just get that out in the open, whether that's from our niece, whether that's from um, Naila, Stacy, we have to deal with excuses. And what I want you to talk about right now, you can pick anyone, our niece, um, but I want you to talk about uh, just a, a trying time in your life where some of those things that you talked about, which could have been excuses. I want you to talk about how you had to deal with it 
and how you had to overcome it, right? So um, give us an example of what that looks like, because I know there are people listening saying, you know what, I, I want to, I do, I want to beat this thing. But sometimes giving them an example, um, walking them through it is very, very helpful, if you will. Okay. Um, and let me preface this by saying up front that I'm probably going to cry at some point during this discussion, given um, given the substance that's taking place right now. So absolutely. Um, no, but absolutely. to answer the question, um, I would say an example is actually I was a freshman in college, my first year of college, actually, when my mom was stabbed to death. Mm-hmm. And and I won't forget, um, it was actually this time of year, mm-hmm. April 8th of my freshman year. And I remember going to the funeral on a Saturday. And while I was at the funeral, I remember thinking because my mother was also an only child. And because my mom was an only child, my grandmother basically had lost her only daughter. When she lost her only daughter, she had a mental break. So it was like, I lost my grandmother, my stepfather, my mother, and I didn't have a support system at the time. And so I can remember sitting there thinking, if I don't go back to school Monday, I'm going to end up working at Sonic Drive-In for the rest of my life because that's why I work during the summer. Right. And, oh, my God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Route 44. And, if you will. and I remember saying, if I don't go back to school, I got to do something right. with my life. Right. And I remember I really didn't have. I, sometimes I find that when you're having to make a when you're at a crossroads, you sometimes, if you don't have the strength for yourself, I find that bar, I call it borrowing someone else's strength. Mm. Essentially putting myself, I remember putting myself and saying, well, kind of like, what would Miss Hutt do? Or what would, so I would think of these figures, these strong figures in my life and borrow their strength and walk it out until I could have a strength of my own. And believe it or not, I still do that to this day. Um, when I encounter different things, I have to borrow somebody else's strength until I get through it. But I knew, A, that I didn't want to, I had to do something to get beyond where I was. And B, I knew that based upon my values that I needed to, I wanted to make my mama proud. So what my mama say do? And she say, you better go back, you better be back in school Monday morning. Mm-hmm. And based upon my faith of um, growing up in a faith-based family, I knew that even though it looks real crazy and it's skewed and don't feel right, I knew that I really can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Okay. And so, and I knew that I could just, I could lean on, even though I may not have somebody specifically, even that I felt like I could reach out to because I didn't, I didn't have that person. Um, but I, I knew that I could borrow other people's strength to go on. So for yeah. me, those are some of the um, methods that I, that I use and I still use to this day. Um, in mm. order to, to overcome. Mm, that's good. Talk to me, doctors. Come on, talk to me. So in um, clinical, what do, what do we call that? What would, what would if you're, let me, can, I, can, your I put a, can I put a drop, a pin right oh, there? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Looking, looking back, I think that there are some things that I should have done differently. Mm, um, okay. And we'll go on more on in this discussion because it cascades as far as how, to, how it ultimately impacted my health, my mental health that I didn't address it at the time. So I want to make sure that I communicate that when you're having these traumas, um, it's very important to connect as far as with the mental health piece of it, because I didn't do that. And I didn't know to do that because I was 18, 19 years old, mm-hmm. but 
I didn't know to do that. And I, I didn't even know what resource, I wouldn't even know how to touch those resources to get them. But it did cascade and continue um, as I continued throughout my adulthood. Um, so I just want to share that to make sure it's known that I didn't handle that correctly at 18, 19 years old, but I did the best that I could based upon where I was at that time in my life. No, that's good. I think that what you just said, that statement, that's been all of us at some point, somehow, somewhere. Um, so I think that's good that you you acknowledge it and you own it. Like this is like, these are the steps that you have to take. This, these are the mirrors that you have to look in when you want to um, have a healthy mental health. And before you go, Dr. Page, um, we started this whole podcast series off. If you guys remember, I said, before we go into this conversation, let's look at a time when there was no mental health, right? So if there was a time when there was no mental health, we need to look at why there was no mental health. It gives us clues to how we can have and maintain our mental health today. So that's very important um, that you say that. Go ahead, Dr. Page. Um, so just listening to what um, Arnice just shared with us. So what I got out of that is that she is very resilient um, to actually have a you know parent um, that is killed and you lose your mother, you lose your stepfather and your grandmother all. I mean, just, you know, basically in your short time span, that is a lot to deal with, especially at the age she was. So, you know, just deal, dealing with, you know, the compounded trauma and grief, but she was able to still, you know, work through it, even though at the time she might not have been really aware of it because I'm pretty sure with so much going on, you know, like she's going through the motions, but at the same time, she's saying, I still have to keep going. I cannot stop. And like she was saying, she went to the funeral on Saturday and then the next week she's back in school. And I actually, actually relate to her on that because my father passed away um, when I was in graduate school working on my first master's. I remember the day like it was yesterday, October 18, 2002. Um, I was actually on my way to class that Wednesday evening when I got the phone call, my dad had passed away. So um made it to class. <clears throat> and then after class, you know, ended up going to Palestine and everything. But it was the same thing with me. So in that moment, I was like, do I continue to go to school? Do I take a break? You know, what do I do? And I remember having that conversation with my mother. And so this is like, uh, you know, the following week, like the day after the funeral, and she's like, well, what would your dad want you to do? And I was like, well, my daddy would tell me to keep going to school because whatever you start, you have to finish. And so, you know, she was like, ultimately, it's up to you to make the decision. Now, I will say the emotional side of me was like, how are you going to be able to focus and write the papers and do the work and do the team meetings and all of that, plus working a full time job and everything else had going on. Um, but then the other part of it was my faith side, because my dad always said, we're not going to be here. Your mother and I are not going to always be here, but that does not mean that your life ends. He's like, whatever you're doing in that moment, you still have to go because your life is going to go on, even though ours has already ended and we have passed away. And so like she was saying, she drew up on somebody else's strength. And I would say I did too, because I can't to this day, like, and I only know it's by the grace of God. I don't know how I finished the last six months of that program to be able, you know, to focus and write the papers and do the teamwork and, you know, write. But I do know just, you know, through prayer, um, my faith and being resilient, 
I was able to go ahead and complete the program. And I will say us as African-Americans, we are a really resilient race. Um, even though we can go through the trials, the tribulations and everything else we face, we can always manage to pick ourselves up and we still continue to move on. So I would say that she did not give up easily, you know, at all. She kept it going. And I would say in that moment, that is probably what she needed was to keep going. And sometimes we'll say, well, they should have taken a break and they should have this and they should have done that. But at the same time, she made the best decision for her. And as we see now, because of all her successes and everything else, I would say that was her trial, but she made it through her trial and she passed her test. And so that just set the tone for anything else that she would face in her life that she knew, well, I have the resilience and I have the you know, strength to get over it and overcome it. And it's not gonna hinder me. It's not gonna stop me. Hmm. Wow. Borrowing someone else's strength. That mm. makes me think about when we borrow things from our ancestors, right? And I can relate to that too. It's, I'm, I'm going to try not to be the first one burst out crying and, you know, start running around the room. <laughs> but when we borrow strength from our ancestors, it's thinking back and reaching back to the things that were instilled in us. So the things that your mother taught you, the things that your grandmother taught you, you reach back and you, you use those same principles and you think about how they persevered. So in a way, that's the way we were taught to cope by the examples that we had growing up. I also lost somebody when I was in grad school. I was working on my second master's degree in counseling and wow. my baby sister passed away. She was in the hospitals and my professor still made me drive all the way to Huntsville to take an exam refused to let me mm. do it online. And I too was at a point where I was like, should I take a break? And I didn't because I was like, what would Leilani want me to do? She would be like, you better stop acting like a big old baby girl. You better go to school, right? So I had to lean not to my own understanding and acknowledge God because he was going to direct my path and make my path straight. And I did that. But oftentimes we think that we can only lean to God because that's what we saw our parents or our grandmothers do. But in my case, I realized I had to get the assistance that I needed because I wasn't able to grieve. I associated school and testing with death. It doesn't affect everybody that way. So when you know better, you do better, right? Not all the time, but we hope that when we know better, we do better. So you seek the counseling, you seek the free support. A lot of schools have free counseling services available. It's in our feeds. So if you're in school and you're going through something, you can go get counseling. Um, in some instances, if you've experienced vicarious trauma, which is, that's what that is. You experience vicarious trauma. When you lose a parent or a family member um, in a devastating way, that's, you experience vicarious trauma. And you can get free services from a domestic violence shelter. Um, there are free services available, but we're never really taught to look at those kinds of services. We don't even know they exist, right? So it's really about educating each other to provide the resources available. And then if we're not borrowing strength from someone else, we can tap into the support system that we've built, right? We cannot always depend on family as our support system. It doesn't always work that way. I'm just going to be real. 
Sometimes you have to build your own support system. And Mm -hmm. that can look like friends. It can look like professors, teachers, um, different people. You build your own support system. And those are other like-minded individuals who are able to provide you the resources and the help that you need. And you can stand on their shoulders when you're not able to stand on your own. So thank you again for for sharing that. Soon to be Dr. Amis. Yes, it's incredible. Like, this is why we have to talk. Now, all of us, there is a connection with all of us, but then we're disconnected. What do I mean? Like my, my sophomore year in college, my grandmother passed away. I never forget. In the month of November, I remember getting the call. Um, we had just started uh, the beginning of the basketball season, so I had to go home. We had to bury my grandmother. The funeral was on Saturday, and I was back at school on Sunday. Now, all of us have had that similar experience. Now, the reason I shared my story is because for here, I want to I deviate just really fast. As a community of people, um, when you're dealing with these issues with your family, especially an older generation, I want you to think of this. Now, all of us, we're in the same generation right? If you've been watching it, you, you can, you can almost assume what our age is, right? I'm but 50. I want you to about that, girl. So how, how old are you? How old I'm are you? 50. Man, so am You're I. Fabulous. I'm, I'm fabulous 50. I'm 50. I'm proud of it. Yes, I'm I am. I'm just messing. Go ahead. No, that's good. No, that's good. My, my point is this. When you think about the generation that came before us and their parents, Some of them were slaves. Some of them come out of slavery. So when you begin to think about mental health and you think about how, despite everything, they kept the family together, despite how everything, there was always a meal on the table, despite everything, those kids had clothes, those kids still went to school, despite everything. Sometimes they didn't have a car. All of the things I can continue to name, all of those mental traumas, the family in itself, still was a living, moving, breathing organism, right? So what I'm telling you, we live in a time now where there are more resources than there's ever been, well, more resources than we have access to. So for you, I, I hope this podcast helps you remove the stone or whatever excuse it is. Listen, go get the help and just start. I'm a t- and how do we talk? I mean, how do we talk about starting? Find somebody to confide in. Start by talking about it, right? You use us, use us as your as your partner. Listen, go get the help. We um, cannot afford to lose anybody else. Let me say that we can't afford to lose. Not another son can lose another mother. Another daughter cannot lose another father, right? It's like this is so 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 important. And I'm so glad um, our niece used that phrase, I borrowed someone else's strength. And then Naila tapped into it, talking about borrowing our ancestors' strength. We have to do that, right? But in saying that, borrowing somebody else's strength, our niece, I want you to talk about now where you were in a season of life or a time in life where you've been accustomed to borrowing somebody's strength, but you find yourself in whatever season you want to talk about where you tried to lean on, my grandfather say, if you could put your weight on it, you can stand on it. 
when you tried to borrow somebody's strength, but you couldn't muster up the strength to get it. And you found yourself right, um, right in the middle of a mental health tsunami, if you will. Could you talk about one of those experiences? Um, sure. Um, because so, what I want, because I'm sorry, before you start, before you go, because what I want to do is I'm, I want to, I want to end up somewhere with this particular podcast, right? Um, because there is a, I'll say a, there's a myth. Um, when we see people where they are, one, we just assume they've always been there or we just assume that's, they just showed up. But I'm telling you, if you look like me or any one of these ladies on the screen, we ain't showed up and accomplished anything. We had to dig, fight, scratch to get it. Nothing's been given to us. Nothing's been left for us. So look, I just want to make that clear. So the reason I want you to go through and articulate, absolutely, it's your story and, and nobody else can experience specifically, but there are similarities, right? There are likenesses about different things. That's why when you go to there, there are certain categories. We've been talking about it this whole month. So I want you to go in and uh, share a time um, where you couldn't lean, like you couldn't borrow somebody else's strength. It just didn't work for you in this situation. Right. Um, for me, I hit mental rock bottom in 2018. Mm, and I got you. there were lots of cascading events that led up to that. Like okay. I said, I grew up in a household that was a lot of drinking, alcoholism, domestic violence. So I saw that growing up. So as Dr. Page mentioned, I struggled with anxieties a lot growing up, but I didn't know that there was anxieties. So move that a little bit forward. I'm working through adulthood. And because I didn't have a lot of coping skills, I didn't have a lot of life skills. I made a lot of bad decisions just in my personal life. So uh, move forward. I, I Then after the domestic violence, I then lost my mom. Then after losing my mom, I just graduated from Grambling. Then I lost my child. And so that was another job. I didn't care. I mean, and I didn't, I didn't deal with that either. Again, when I think about success, I mean, there's a good way to get success and there's a not great way to get success. My coping was just to divert all of my grieving into accomplishing the next goal. And mm. so I kept going, kept going. Uh, professionally, I was advancing, um, seeing the world everywhere, you know, just doing all these dynamic things. Um, ends was meeting. As far as, as far as finances go, ends was me. Right. Um, but I got to a point, um, I mean, I was in a high pressure job, um, very stressful, um, and had just a lot of things going on. And I got to a point, I knew that something wasn't right with me. But I didn't know what it was that wasn't right with me, but I knew something wasn't right with me.